podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike. I am Mike, and with me, as always, is Hannah. How are you today? I'm not too bad. Two sick children. Yes. Lots of work on my plate. So, always uh, good. So your idea of uh, not bad is very different to, uh, to my life. Surviving. So, yeah. Coping. Surviving. Living. Yeah. Only on day two of the school holidays, and it's all turned to custard. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll, uh, we will survive by watching entertainment on indeed, our television indeed. um sweet sweet escapism because i like to lose myself in a story gentle listener um god. don't we all like to lose ourselves in stories from time to time oh god is this the mood tonight <laughs> so uh, yeah kind of brandy and the by the fireplace i was thinking more like what was that kids um something corner what like jack and ori jack and ori <laughs> Yeah. You've got a bit of a Jack and Ori yeah. vibe to you. Come with me down the path of imagination <laughs> to a world where anything is possible. Uh, no, we are we are continuing on through season two of Marvel's Agents of Shield uh, as uh, the the first show we are covering on the Rewatch Project. Um, we and are we enjoyed rec- watching the last episode so much that we. Like we only recorded it a couple of days ago, but um, we thought, why not do another We're back. one? Get on a roll, get on a roll. I think also, the, the, I feel quite inspired by all of the suggestions we're getting for other things to cover as well. It's kind of like, right, let's let's yeah. just get it's, down to this. Yeah, uh, I mean, because I was feeling because progress because I was thinking the other day about how I think that if it's a show that one or both of us haven't seen. We'll get through it quicker because there's the wanting to find out what happens factor. Yeah, like if we'd have covered Babylon Five. We would have been a very prolific podcast, but the only issue there would have been that we'd probably have been getting pissed off that we were having to stop to record a podcast. Yeah, and before not we could watch before we one. could watch another yeah. one. You know, so I guess but maybe then I think probably our discussion around things would have been shorter because we wouldn't have known so much. Well, that's the thing. I was, I was thinking about this the other day actually. That if we were to do a show that, that one or neither of us had seen before. I think that the show would be getting back because the original idea, just to pull the curtain back a little bit, the way I envisaged it, and I think you did as well, was that it would literally be just a sort of ten-minute conversation saying what we thought of the episode. I knew it would never be uh, ten and, minutes. Well, yeah, and and that we we'd maybe wait until we'd got five of them and sort of stitch them together. But it became apparent very quickly um, that that was not going to be the case. Both of us have verbal diarrhoea. Yeah, well, no, and also I, I like to think that we say interesting things. Yeah, uh, but I think that if we were covering something for, but we do go on, don't we? Well, that's the whole point of the podcast. I mean, if you don't, I mean, what's what's the uh, yeah, what's the no, point? Absolutely. I think that if it, if we were doing, um, well, Supernatural or Farscape or one of the things that come up, mm. I think the episodes would be much shorter because it would literally be a reaction. It would be. Yeah, I didn't really like that one. Or, yeah, that was a good one. I wonder what's going to happen next. Yeah. You know, um, it would be... These are more, uh, dare, I say, dare I say it, um, analysis yeah. and critiques. To be honest, I'd prefer to hear analysis over, well, I like that one, or I didn't like that one. Well, I think there's a happy medium. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know, absolutely. But, but at the same time, I think that there's a lot to be said for getting just somebody's initial reaction like I can think of again I'll use Farscape as an example I know that there's certain episodes where we're going to be like all those 90s sci-fi shows where 
So some episodes are just crap. Mm. And we will just have to just take the piss. But also, there's other ones where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what Hannah's going to think of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, actually, yeah. genuinely, to, to get the actual holy shit, um, blank is blank in Babylon 5 kind of oh, level. Yeah. sort of Because, I mean, yeah, yeah. But anyway... Um, so one of the side effects of that is I've checked, we haven't had any feedback, but we did only record a couple of days ago, so uh, um, people have not had an opportunity to digest the other episode. The other thing I've noticed as well, and maybe this is some, maybe this is a bit too sort of inside baseball, but it's funny, I was looking over the um, downloads for our, ep- for our show, and I've, it's weird, I've started to notice that people consume this show differently to Shinstroker versus Punter. Okay. Because what I've realised is this is a library show. Yeah. In the sense that with Stroke versus Spencer, I think we've got people who just listen every week. Mm. Whereas this is this this podcast, I think people are finding it and working through. Because what I'm noticing is the older episodes are getting are still getting as many downloads as the newer ones. Right. Whereas with Stroke versus Spencer, once an episode's out, once it's been out a couple of weeks, it hardly ever gets Drops downloaded. Off. Yeah. So what I think's happening here is I think people are discovering it, burning through it. And then stopping. And I think that what's going to happen is that, in, let's say, for example, we continue doing this and yeah. two or three different franchises <laughs> in, I think people will discover it and then go back and just listen to the Farscape episodes or just listen to the Fringe episodes or whatever yeah. we do. So it's it's odd. It's, it's, it's funny just as a podcast geek looking at it and going, oh, okay, this has been consumed differently. Mm. Um, so I think what we're going to, what we'll probably find is that we'll get feedback coming in for things that we recorded a really long time ago. Yeah. Um, in the future, when we move on to other ones. Which just is, a, I is completely thought. fine. Yeah, we just yeah. won't remember what the fuck yeah. <laughs> they're talking about. Uh, that's the only problem. Oh, did I say that? Cool. What are we talking about tonight, Anna? Right. So, the episode that we're watching tonight is called Aftershocks. This is episode 11. It aired... It was after the mid-season break. So, um, the, the episode 10 aired on the 9th of December 2014 and then it didn't come back on the TV until the 3rd of March. Well, so it's a three-month gap. So it's a big, big break. Yeah. Uh, Quarter of a year. Yeah. Um, so this one is called Aftershocks. The synopsis says, Coulson and the team are faced with consequences of the war with Hydra. As, as revelations threaten to destroy them, Hydra makes a move. Um, it is directed by Billy Gearhart, um, who has directed episodes before, and it's written by co-showrunners Marissa Tankerowan and Jed Whedon. So it's uh, it's the A-team, isn't it? Yeah. What I've started to notice, actually... And I think really important for this episode, because there's going to be a lot of, oh, shit, what happened three months ago, yeah. you know? Well, it's funny, because... In the same way that the mid-season cliffhangers are kind of like mini end-of-season sort yeah. of type episodes, <laughs> the first ones back are another kind of decompression, reorganisation of, yeah. of the board kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's what I've also noticed, though, is that... Um, and it's important to understand that when you see writing credits on TV shows, episodes that aren't written by the showrunners are still kind of written by the showrunners. Oh, of course, Because yeah. in the same way that um, a manager in an office, um, their fingerprints are all over everybody's work, you know. And what I've, I have noticed is that in season one, um, Marissa Tankerowan and Jed Whedon wrote all of the big 
event episodes mm. whereas now they seem to be writing all of the things just after the big event episodes yeah. so it's almost as though they just tell people what they want in the big episodes and get them to go and write them and then the next episode which is the more character minutia stuff that seems to be where they're like, yeah, we kind of have to do these ones because nobody knows the but characters better than us and the actors. You said, though, that Jeffrey Bell is a showrunner on this as Yeah, well. but he's like an executive, so he was, was kind <laughs> of... Um, he is, but he's the sort of... Um, a more of a... A little bit more of a suit, mm. whereas they're sort of um, the more... I mean, in short, he is, yes, but but I think it's their show. It's, yeah. it's the oh, two... Oh, yeah, it is. You know. It is. Um, I'm looking forward to this. There's, there are some things I can remember, but it's not super clear in my head. So it will be as much of a revelation for me as if I was watching it for the first time. Yeah. Okay, well, before we get into it, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping because I've actually sort of brought this stuff up. Quick reminder to go over to wearepodsyndicate.com for all of the other shows, podcast videos, writings. And you can find shows over there such as Adventures in VHS, Beyond the Neon, Cheese Roker vs. Pentamayo, the show. Entertainment Landfill, Film Bastards, his film, her movie, The Iron Sequel, which I'm going on in um, a few oh, weeks' right. time uh, to talk about Lethal Weapon 2. Oh, um, nice. So that will be um, an interesting one. And as little old as the Rewatch Project. And I would actually also point out, um, if there are any other podcasters listening and you're interested in being part of the network, let us know. Email us. Yeah, um, and, and um, you know, do that um, at the... Um, oh, you see, I thought I was being clever by having all this up here. Um, rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at rewatchproj. Uh, got a live from Karma Cluckland. Yes, we on did. On our last episode, the, which was a very Karma Cluckland-heavy um, episode. If, if you're listening... Big fan. Yeah, yeah. We're the ones whose daughter's got a doll of you that you... Uh, yes, you <laughs> so. retweeted a picture of her. Yeah. Well, a uh, picture of her hand holding you as a character from yeah, June. Yeah, what he just said was, it uh, old school and like yeah. a smiley face. I thought that was quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, our daughter on the way into Pack and Save uh, brandishing a, uh, a Paul Atreides figure. I was... She would have been... Uh, oh, she wouldn't have even been two. And she called the doll daddy as well, so I don't know whether Comic Clock knows something that <laughs> I don't as well. Yeah, um, it was her toy de jour for quite a long time. She would take it everywhere with her, and I took a photo and sent it to Mike of her sitting in a supermarket trolley um, with it just before we went in, and he cropped her face out and put it on Twitter, and yeah. The funny thing is, Comic uh, Clock's big thing now is he's a winemaker. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking of doing that douchebag move of approaching him to have a podcast interview about his wine and then be like, so, Twin Peaks. And Kyle, if you're listening. We're Ooh. drinking some cheap piss <laughs> from uh, the aforementioned Pack and Save, actually, where we, uh, we were probably going to buy some on that day that we took that photograph of our daughter with the Paula Trades doll. But yeah, so um, do contact us uh, through those channels as well. And, uh, yeah, go over to our syndicate. So, um, well, without um, further ado, let me just check I'm actually recording this. Yes, I am. Um, we are going to hit pause, and then we're going to come back, and we'll do a little bit of non-spoiler, quite a lot, probably, of non-spoiler chat. And then we will uh, have a spoiler section if we feel the need. Yeah. CS3P Combat. Player one. Choose your character. Tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement? Player two, choose your character. While you're in luck. Punter. Round one, fight! 
Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Punter podcast, featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England, who enjoy their media in very different ways. <laughs> but anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I've ever encountered in any film. <laughs> so join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round two. Fight. You can find us at csvsp.libson.com, also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places that podcasts can be found. Just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I just just getting confirmation. It's just in English. That's the third time, though. I mean, am I, is this on? Have you ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? Putting four or five-year-olds in front of this movie, it's like, if they didn't know what death was before this, they're going to know it after it. They're going to know it after it, and they're going to be freaking terrified. They're going to be questioning you. Yeah. Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one has a cold, dead heart? Yeah, The Dark Knight has got like all the orphans, and like, oh no, we're going to die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, it's like, kill them. Then look no further, the His Film Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. We've just finished watching episode 11 of season 2 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I have grabbed the wrong drink. I will put that down <laughs> I was going to say, what are you taking my wine for? <laughs> Hannah, just... Hannah, Hannah turns into Arnold from different strokes when <laughs> he tries to take a drink. What you, what you taking my wine for, Willis? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the look you had there, you'd think that oh, I'd it's just... Like- Basically, like you'd pooed in my hand, or yeah, something. like I just brought, like I just <laughs> urinated in a church or something. <laughs> was, actually, that probably wouldn't bother you that much. You'd nah. just be uh, confused. But, um, but anyway, sorry. Before we were rudely interrupted <laughs> by uh, my thoughtlessness and Hannah's alcoholic tendencies, um, I was saying <laughs> that we had just finished watching Aftershocks, um, the eleventh episode of season two of Marvel's Agents of Shield. As Hannah mentioned earlier on, the first episode back after the mid-season break. Yeah. Um, before we get into specifics, and also to procrastinate long enough for my phone to recharge, <laughs> so I can read my uh, my, my uh, beat by beat notes, so let that guide your response. Uh, what were your initial thoughts of Aftershocks? Um. I really loved it. I thought it was a really solid way to come back. And I suppose I thought about it in the sense of having come back from a three-month break. Because um, it's easy to forget that when we yeah, really watch them the way we're when watching you're, them. When you're watching them back-to-back. Because these shows were written and designed and produced to be watched the way that they were broadcast, you know? I, I thought it had... It, it had enough gravitas towards um the significance of losing trip the uncertainty of what's happened to Raina and Daisy um the so like there was so many other things going on and that added to the confusion um like I mean the things going on were clear but um 
I think the episode needed to give the viewer a feeling of confusion to emulate the feeling of confusion that the team have. Yes, Does the aftershocks, sense? if you will. I wish the audience could see you. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably explain, it's really cold here in New Zealand. And, and we have to turn our heating off when we record well, because it's quite loud. For, 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 our lis- for our listeners in America or the UK, or as we call them in New Zealand, first world countries who have central heating. <laughs> um, yeah, New I- Zealand houses don't have central heating because they... Well, I say they don't need it. Ours needs it tonight. It's like because Hannah's she's got a. I feel she, like you need to take a picture. She's of me. got Hannah's. She's, she's got a blanket on. She's got a thick red jacket. She's got what can only be described as a balaclava <laughs> kind of around that. I may get Mike to take a picture of me yeah. for the so, for the Twitter feed because it's quite the special look. So, so if, if you've got if, if if you've got like a mental picture that Hannah records these things like in a ball gown, I want I want to puncture that fucking fantasy right now. But, um, I can't help it; I'm cold. Yeah. Whereas I am, I am actually in a full tuxedo while we're uh, oh, we're yeah. recording this. Yeah, he's got his brandy balloon. I have. I've got my monocle in. Uh, I've got my pocket watch, um, but um, but no. But to 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 go back to the uh, to, to the episode though, to, to reality, if you will, um, or non-reality in this case, I agree. These are the kind of episodes I really like, yeah. and I, I think that the you know it's um, it's great to have these sort of you know these you know wham episodes like the one before this. Uh, you need that, but it's almost as though they are. It's a little bit like. There's no way of saying, saying this without sounding like a wanker. It's a little bit like jazz. No, seriously. No, no, no it is. And I'm not. I'm not being facetious here. In the way that the way that jazz works as an improvisational is that you st- the band usually start by playing a tune. So, and often it's a standard. They'll be playing like "When You Wish Upon a Star" or um, you know, a, um, a tire yellow ribbon or some famous piece of music. And then what they do is they play that and they establish it. And then they kind of go off and they... And um, sudden Knob thinks he knows better. <laughs> and has got a real problem with jazz. No, um, <laughs> but then they'll go off and they'll explore them. A bit like, I suppose, with um, a, a similar one is um, deconstructionism in cooking, for yeah. example. You know, you you have to learn to make a burger before you can deconstruct one. And I think that that's but what... You- no one likes a deconstructed burger. Let's just... Let's just uh, ruminate on that. For well, a it's 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 kind of it's, it's, it's like when people do deconstructed cheesecakes on MasterChef; they never win. But that's the difference ever. between entertainment and art, though, isn't it? Is the fact that art exists for its own sake. It's not. It's not. It, it, it's there for the the form of it. And I think that what the reason I use that analogy here is that you've got. The big event, the plot element, um, you know, the um, the MacGuffin, whatever you want to call it, mm. uh, the uh, the obelisk and the cavernous science fiction city and all that kind of stuff. That's the tune. That's the song. That's the piece of music. That's the regular burger, if you will. <laughs> um, and then, even I'm starting to question this analogy a little bit here. <laughs> but then, and then you have the exploratory thing like in the same way that you know I'm standing by it the jazz thing was a good analogy <laughs> uh, and then you have the they'll explore it and say well what does this mean for the characters the the Borg are cool but maybe not as interesting as exploring what PTSD means if you're Jean-Luc Picard you know it's okay. that kind of thing but the thing I like about this show 
is it never goes too far into any one area. When all the plot stuff's happening, there's still character stuff there. Mm. And like this episode, whilst it's then deconstructing it and looking at how it affects the characters, it's never shoegazing. There's still kick-ass stuff happening and people getting shot and like, you know, May with two guns and Mm. quips. You know, it's like it never forgets. There's an elasticity to the storytelling here and they never overstretch themselves. Mm. And I think that this episode is a really good example of that. And I think that this is where the whole rewatch projectiness of it is interesting, specifically for this show, is that the episodes I'm enjoying more on the rewatch are the ones that aren't the oh my god, but the, the but the oh my god episodes are the ones that are the most gratifying when you watch it for the first time because that's when you're yeah. the most surprised. You know, it's like a joke or mm. humour. You know, it works well because you're not expecting it. You mm. know, it's the whole thing about a a, a joke or being funny is just saying something unexpected quicker than somebody else can think of it. And that's what I think this show does well. Yeah. But then it does all the other stuff well too when it yeah. kicks back, you know? I mean, it's like when you rewatch Buffy, you know, same, well, I say same universe, same writers. Yeah. There's, on rewatch, you, it's not the big epic episodes where they fight down all the crazy full-on demons that yeah. you... Remember, it's the small episodes. Yeah, and it's a little bit like, I mean, to use a a very 2021 phrase, it's this idea of the new normal as well, because one thing that S.H.I.E.L.D. does that's very Whedon-esque, although, again, must emphasise that, you know, Whedon's involvement in the show was is, is, is distant, although mm. a lot of the talent in the show was kind of seeded. But um, it's, from it's that very much Jed Whedon and Marissa it is. Rowan. It's, um, it's but, not Joss Whedon. It's not, but but again, they, they come from that... that stable you know um but i think that one of the things that 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 world has is this idea that every so often something will happen that will change the show Mm. there'll be a big event and if you look at shows like your prestige shows your hbo shows you know your 10 episode seasons it's all the former it's all just the big event and then the next big event and the next Mm. big event one of the things i like about these sort of shows is there'll be a big event that will change the show and then they're like well, let's see what kind of stories we can tell within this. Yeah. You know, what, what What does the standalone look like in this world, in this new normal? And then they'll do that for a while. And then they'll be like, okay, well, we've exhausted that. Let's have let's drop another hand grenade into the narrative that will make it go over here. And let's see, Fringe did this as well. Let's see what kind of stories we can tell in this slightly new version of the mm. show. And, and they've kind of done that in this episode with the Bobby Mac storyline Bobby Mac Bobby Mac (laughs) Um, and the I mean a great example of that just to go back because I think you were onto something there by using Buffy as an analogy if you look at spoilers for Buffy we're not going to cover it though because it's very long yeah when 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 Angel turns Mm. that's that's something that they could have they could have strung out for longer or they could have wrapped it up quicker but what they did was they were like well okay well let's have some fun with this yeah and then you still had like um, some great fun episodes like the one where Xander does the love spell and every woman in Sunnydale falls in love with him except the one he put the spell on because he fucks it up yeah but then but Angel the evil Angel appears in that and he's jealous because Drusilla falls in love with with him and all this mm. sort of stuff so they still do these daft episodes but they're daft episodes within this completely new context that the show's in for a while. Yeah. And I think that what they did in Buffy, which is similar to what they do in S.H.I.E.L.D., a little bit different, because S.H.I.E.L.D. really doesn't have out-and-out standalones at all. 
but it did in season one. It did, but yeah, but even then there was always a little bit of. No, they did at the very start, but I mean, you know. Yeah, it, but there'd still be like talk about Tahiti and you know yeah, little, little yeah, stuff I in there. Yeah, I mean they were. You're right, but there was there was elements of it. Whereas, but Buffy, I mean, the standalone's gone yeah. now. But then, it, but then in Buffy, what they'd do is it was as though they were like, okay, well, what new unique storytelling opportunities do we have, or what insights into the characters can we gain? Um, by having this in here, um, and then when they've kind of exhausted those, they're like, okay, let's move it. I mean, a great example of that is the the musical episode of Buffy. Yeah, is that Joss Whedon said that he always knew he wanted to do a musical episode, but he had to do it at the right time because it took a lot of time to make it. So he said the approach he took was he said his whole idea for the episode was he said he didn't care why people were singing. He's like, I can just fucking wizards did it kind. I've got some sci fi bullshit reason for that. Yeah, but he said that the whole point of the episode was that. In films and musicals, generally when people sing, they're like soliloquies. They're expressing their true feelings. Mm. So he said he wanted to wait until a point in the show where as many of the characters as possible had secrets. Mm. Because then that could be what the episode was about, was people involuntarily exposing their secrets in song. Mm. And then he got to a point in the show where he's like, because you know, uh, you know, Buffy and Spike and willow dabbling in magic and all this sort of stuff was how giles thinking of leaving and going back to england willow going down on <laughs> yeah yeah um, underneath I... the the leaves of the willow tree or whatever that lyric was um i i, I just thought that was really cool like, you know, <laughs> yeah. go for it yeah, yeah why not um but so they and he's like right that's the point and that and that's what we're talking about here is having all these big things happening in the show and then saying okay, now we've had the events, what are the storytelling possibilities of that? Yeah. And I think that's what we see in this episode, is that they're like, oh, okay, what are the new conflicts that can arise? What are the new insights into the characters? What are the new plot points that can come out of this? And I think that that's when the show's at its best. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong, the big sort of, you know, whoop-de-doo episodes are great the first time you see them. And I'll rewatch they're interesting because they're usually quite kick-ass. But I think that where the real... Um, pleasure points in the brain get massaged with this show are usually the episodes directly after um, something big's happened. Yeah. You know, and then I think that when, I think the only points remembering back on the show from when I first watched it where I remember feeling a little bit bored uh, was maybe point, and that's different because we're watching it weekly, maybe that won't happen on the rewatch, Hmm. were maybe points where they'd stuck in a, quote, new normal, maybe an episode too long. Yeah. You know, and they're like, actually, we should have had a big thing happen and get out of this because we've kind of, we've looked in every, you know, nook and cranny. Mm. Um, which really sounds I, like it should be cotton rhyming slang for something. Well, uh, cool. I, I remember more than once, maybe two or three times, saying to you, I didn't fancy watching S.H.I.E.L.D. because I wasn't in the right frame of mind for it. Mm. And that was very much when it was on a weekly basis. And we would stack it up till we had um well one time we had a whole season but sometimes it was just that we had a backlog of like five yeah and then it was very much a more of a binge watch and shield really benefits from a binge watch because i sort of feel like it's the episode built on episode built on episode that really gets you God, I've got to watch the next. Well, also, you oh, need to be able so you need to be able to remember as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, I mean, because I, there's so much going I, on. I, I push back a little bit, and I'm probably this is probably just splitting hairs minutia. But I'd say I don't think necessarily a binge watch, but I think it's and again the cliche, it's a great one a nighter. Mm. 
Like, I don't think necessarily no. three or four episodes back to back is the way to do it. Uh, I, I disagree but, with you. Okay. It's at least two a night. Okay, but the 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 other thing as well, and I think this is an interesting point because this gets into kind of how we watch stuff, like you and I specifically, mm. is that one of the things that were similar, and you're, you're, you even more so than me, is that Hannah will really get into a show, whether it's something she's watched before, like like we're doing, we're, we're re-watching like an episode or two of Big Bang Theory at the moment with T, yeah. and you'll go through phases like How I Met Your Mother or whatever, and I think what happens is if you've got a show that you're watching a lot of, and then you try and bring another show in. Sometimes that other show can seem weird and alienating because you've got so used to this other thing. Mm. And when that season of, I think it was season four or five of Shields we're talking about, it was I, I remember it was... it was when we were watching Babylon Five, mm. and I remember we were watching so much Babylon Five that it's a little bit like um, eating something yeah. sour when you when you're like like I one hundred percent. It's like ha- like having a bit of licorice, even though you like licorice. If you have a little bit of licorice after you've eaten a salad, it's going to taste a bit weird. Uh, I yeah, I completely agree. It was the tonal shift between B five yeah. and that particular series but, of. But then once you watch two or three episodes, I'm not going to get into because I think it's a spoiler to even talk about. The you know a season in the future. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what it is that you would say yeah, if yeah. you were. Uh, yeah, it was very like, oh god, no. But like, then conversely, mm. because you were so immersed in in the specific tone of this other show that we were watching. Mm. But then conversely, once we did start watching that season of Agents of Shield, anything else that you tried to watch got rejected because it wasn't. Oh this, yeah, no, this, I was like, just this, like, bring it on. Yeah. let's just go for it. And and that's why it's sometimes takes a few episodes to um, to take as well. And, and, these shows and that, you you're know. right, I am very like that. And uh, like when I watched Shit's Creek for the first time, I, I just couldn't watch anything else. Yeah. I just made well, with you, it. it sometimes takes a while for a show to take. I remember even with Shit's Creek, you weren't sure about it for a while. And then, but fuck me, when, when you were in, <laughs> you were like, um, you were in, you know, you know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were, you were uh, right up to your and, elbow, weren't and you? And I'm Lebanese, so you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's quite deep. Well, not anymore. They went in, but they didn't come out. <laughs> <That's> the, uh... <laughs> but, um, okay. Well, should we get into um, the specifics? Okay, so we we open up um, in a very X Men style scene. I mm-hmm. thought uh, with a uh, kid in a room in 1983. Very, and um, very much so. Mm-hmm. You know, he's sort of morphing in and out. And we spoke before about. Um, how oh no that was in the spoiler section mm, i'm going to tread carefully here i'm going to tread carefully here I, I, I think i'm probably going to have a bit of stuff for um the i think there's a a little bit for the spoiler section yeah yeah i mean there's, there's just a, certain there's term- a couple of things i can think of yeah the reason i'm being careful is that we're getting into territory that comes from the comic books mm. and they haven't yet been Explicit. There's an implication, mm. um, but if you're watching this show for the first time and you know the comic books, there are things that I could say maybe that would be a spoiler. So I'm going to be very careful. But it, it, the opening scene definitely elicits that, uh, and it's something as well that we've seen that you see in um, Age of Ultron as well with um, Wanda and her brother. Mm. Um, I think it's a post-credit sequence at the end of one of the films. I think maybe Iron Man three. Where you're seeing um, one, you see Wanda and her brother in a cell, uh, and they're yes. showing their powers yeah, yeah, off. Yeah. And this scene feels very, very reminiscent similar of that. that. Yeah. Um, 
so we see Billy No Eyes um, sort of sitting around <laughs> uh, looking all freaky. Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Find his name is. Very, very X Filesy looking character. Um, we see um, um, Deacon Lackman um, who played Jai Shai Jai Jai who is um, we have we know is Sky's mother. Uh, Sky's um, slow that. aging. Come and walk to me, like. A bit like you do with your toddler when you're trying to get them to walk and it's really hard not to just walk over to them and pick them up and, you know... Kill them with kindness. Yeah, you've got to make them do it and it's it's horrible and frustrating and you feel quite mean. Yeah, and you're getting a very kind of um, Professor X, Charles mm. Xavier yeah, kind of sure. uh, vibe yeah. going off her as well. Um, and she's like, she's trying to comfort him and he's saying he can't, you know, he can't cry. Um, one of the things that I like about Me the pace... Either. <laughs> yeah, one of the uh, called it hot. Um, one of the the things that I like Dark about heart. this episode, well, we'll we'll mix and match, um, is that it feels a lot like um, when this is a sequel to the first half of the season. It almost feels like we're getting into kind of a new story. Yeah, um, and this is something that I won't get into too much. It's again, something else for the spoilers. Um, but something that S.H.I.E.L.D. does, and we'll go on to, and this is very vague, um, very well, is, and you've mentioned this before, is knowing how to pace the seasons, because there's a lot of different mm. ways you can do it. You can do what Lost does, which is the entire show is one giant storyline, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to get... look how well that could Well, be. yeah, yeah. Um, and then you've got shows where they're procedural. So, you know, like things like um, CSI or Star Trek The Next Generation or... Um, you know, the A-Team shows where it's just these 40-minute movies and every week it's a reset. Um, In the case of A-Team, where lots of people have guns pointed at them and no one gets injured. Consequence-free violence. Consequence-free. And, um, and that's... I think Cabbage's got more mutilated than... <laughs> yeah, that was a great episode, that was. Labour Pains. First episode of season two, that was. Um, I don't know why, but that's the one episode I really remember. It's a great episode. And then you've got shows where you get the one-season storyline. And I think that what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did really well is that the ethos of the show seems to be, if in doubt, what are they doing in the comic books? Mm. And one of the things that they do in the comic books is, is have these runs of enough episodes, sorry, enough issues that they can get released as like a trade paperback, like as a graphic novel. That wasn't the intention at the time. That was just how they retroactively got released and then people started writing to that. Mm. So it would just be that Spider-Man would come out every fortnight, the comic book would come out every fortnight, and they'd have epi- they'd have storylines that would run for like five or six issues mm. and then a new storyline would start. Some elements would carry over, but then it would do... And then, Somebody had the wise idea of like, well, why don't we collect them? Why don't we make release collections after the fact of these five or six issues? And they'll be like, you know, this sort of like thick. They'll be sort of as big as a novel. And we can sell them for like 10, 15 bucks in bookshops. Mm. You know, trade paperbacks, they're called them. Or graphic novels, um, they sometimes got called as well. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. seem to sort of stumble across this. And I think this is the first time we're seeing it where they're like, yeah, you know, 10 episodes. That's a pretty good amount of time and it's yeah. not like it's a completely self storyline self no, story but, but there's a climax and yeah. then it builds back up again and you know you've still got Rainer and and we have said before like several times we have said that the further you get into S.H.I.E.L.D. the more you see that that 
they're not afraid to wrap a storyline up before the end of the season. Yeah. And it's such a strength of the show that they have conviction in their, their plots and their storyline and their writers yeah. to go, okay, this one's done. Let's start on XYZ. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's definitely not a failing of the show. It's but, it's kind of what saves it in but they're not afraid season four, I think. to let a storyline breathe it. It's as though they give the storyline the length it needs to be. Yeah. And um, there's no ulterior motive. Like, for example, and again, I won't, I won't get into spoilers, but season five is a entire season length storyline yeah. it's like a 22 episode yeah. one yeah. but that storyline needed to be because it has such oh, a strong identity it 100% of its own. needed um, to be but the season before it has like I think like four yeah. like story arcs well, that's what I was just saying in season four what saved it is they went okay that one's done Stop well, it. Well, season four just felt like... Not, not. Uh, I'm not saying it and saved it in that the storylines weren't good and they saved it by wrapping them up. But they were basically long movies. Yeah. And it had, had a very Star Trek Enterprise feel to it. Yeah, you like know, season four of Enterprise. You know, arc, small arc, finish. Small arc, yeah. finish. Well, small what, what, arc. They, what they did in season four, and again, I won't spoiler it, that's interesting is... All of the episodes have individual titles, but the story arcs had um, mm. names. Yeah. So, so it was like, so on the opening credits, it was like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. dot dot, and then the name of the story arc. Blah, blah, blah. And yeah. that would be the, the, the name of the show for the next four or five episodes. Yeah. yeah. And that's a really interesting thing. Like, I, don't, mm. I can't think of any other show that's done it like that. No. You know, almost as though that each story arc was branded, like it had its own branding and its own logo. The and, closest I remember relating it to was Fringe when they had their different title sequences depending on what universe they were in yeah they they talk about Trip uh, and I like the fact as well this is almost a with hindsight a meta moment Mm. where she says I can't believe that Trip's not really not coming back Mm. and it almost feels like she's talking about the audience and I wonder I do wonder because it it is odd how Trip was being built up as being this sort of episode was it really as this important character and I didn't want to talk about this last week too much because I think that you and I agree it was ambiguous at the end yeah well I mean I mean he's well it it was and it wasn't well yeah exactly I mean it was in the sense that um I mean, well, it wasn't ambiguous in the sense that, you know, the dude fell apart, mm. but also it's the fact that it just, it was such a shock. I shouldn't that, laugh, but... Well, no, it's, it's like Ward going bad or Faith going evil in Buffy. Yeah. It's the fact that it's such you a... You just can't believe it. It goes so much against episodic TV convention mm. that you think, no, there's got to be something going on here. He is a uh, beloved character. Yeah, exactly. And I think that the, and again, particularly when you watch it week by week, um, you know, over a much longer period of time than we've sort of, you know, blasted through these, mm. but is the fact that... Um, the characters are speaking to that and I can't help but wonder the fact that it was the mid-season one whether maybe there was a contractual thing because I know that BJ Britt the actor who played him did go directly onto another show so I I can't help but wonder if maybe they were getting towards the middle of the season and they were like right okay guys someone's got to go you know we need to make a big splashing impression anybody got any gigs lined up (laughs) you know and (laughs) 
I mean, that sounds absurd to put Are it like that. Are you saying but... that they asked for voluntary redundancy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but essentially. I mean, it's a, but I mean, but it is nice. I mean, it's it's funny because you have to remember. I mean, TV shows they are places of work, and it is kind of like you know, if there's going to be a redundancy around the office, you do ask. And I like it when there's positive ones of that. Like one of the um, there's the um, a good example of that. Star Trek Discovery won. Um, some awards recently, some industry awards. It won the GLAD awards for, for sort of gay and trans representation. But it also won like a, almost like a workplace award. And I think it was really great that like Kenneth Mitchell, who played, he played a, Vulca, a Klingon character in the first season. He came down with, I don't know what the illness was, but a really severe degenerative illness. Yeah. So he became wheelchair bound and it was awful. He's this real physical guy and he's basically, he's fucked now. Mm. Um, and he's they, quadriplegic. Yeah, it? yeah. And I mean, but he went, I mean, if you watch him in season one, he's like a, like a, like a, a um, athletic dude. Yeah. Um, and they wrote a new character for him and, that his character, he's in season three, he's a wheelchair user, he's part mm. of his thing, and he's a completely different character. And people are like, oh, isn't that sweet? And the writers of the show were like, well, no, that's workplace adaptations. Yeah. It's a workplace. He's not able to play his character anymore because of this. So we're not going to fire him. But most shows would. And you don't think of TV shows as being workplaces. But all that stuff happens, all of that sort of, yeah. you know. And it's like, you know, Joe Straczynski on Babylon 5 always talked about how when he got the green light for the show and he knew it was going to be a stealth serial, even though he he sort of pretended it wasn't going to be for as long as he could, mm. he said he had to write what he called trap doors for every single character. Yeah. Because you don't know whether an actor's going to quit or move or um, get pregnant or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So he had to have an, an out where any storyline that was planned for a character could move over to another one. And on the... I can't help but feel like with Trip, maybe it was a little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah. You know, because it is just so surprising that... Because he's just so good. He's just so good in the show. It'd be lovely but, to get him on and find out. Well, yeah, if, no, I, I like, really am genuinely curious mm. as, to, as to sort of what actually... I mean, it might just have been that he got a, a better offer of a better gig where he wasn't just uh, one of... Four or five second tier characters, yeah. Um, but uh, but I don't know. But but it, but it is interesting though that I did sort of note when when they're having that conversation that I can't believe he's gone. <laughs> that it does feel like they're saying to the audience, "No, no, the, the, um, you know, be sure he's about gone. that." Uh, and they talk about how the um, their assumption is that the obelisk caused the earthquake mm-hmm. um, and trip destroyed it. Trip destroyed yeah. the obelisk. Mm. Um, so they're all trying to kind of turn that frown upside down a little bit. And yeah. go, oh, you know, yeah. some some good came out of came out of this. Yeah, and there's there's lots and lots of mentions of oh, you're so lucky to have survived that earthquake, and sort of a side eye from Daisy that I'm pretty sure I had something to do. Uh, with yeah, it. she's like, what a crazy random happenstance. Yeah, that I actually managed <laughs> yeah. to get out of that. But but she doesn't really know. Well, she's shell shocked, and that's yeah. the way that the actress plays the whole episode. Mm. Is like just she's just a deer in headlights and just mm. doesn't know what the fuck's going on. I like the fact that we the I think one of the characters actually says this that they're all dealing with it in their own way. So of course, May's hitting the punching bag. Hunter's just getting pissed up. Max fixing cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his thing. Yeah, and and it's also and I think that Max's storyline is good in this episode, but I think at the beginning. He gets slightly short shrift because I remember when I first watched this episode thinking, oh, I thought he died. And then and it just kind of all gets sort of brushed under the carpet. But they do, they do bring it out later in the episode. Yeah. And um, 
So we see that Max, as I say, Max okay. Well, so, so, well, not okay, but he survived. Yeah. He's a bit kind of again to use the Star Trek analogy. He's he's a bit he's a bit post Borg Picard, isn't he? He's a bit sort of uh, very bit much slightly so. slightly kind of um, you know post violation. I guess is a one way of looking he's at. A, it. He's taken against people. He has yes, taken sure. against. Wow, I like it. Um, so um, we, Simmons is doing the cleanup. Uh, she's basically, which is a fancy way of saying that she's she's handy vacuuming trip <laughs> in the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of like who did I piss off to get this fucking assignment <laughs> like, <laughs> she's got him in a wheelbarrow she's yeah. sweeping up the yeah. remnants she's like guys come on show some fucking respect just like try <laughs> like he's, mm. yeah, he's oh he's, he's, he's we've lost his nose um they Sorry, talk Chuck. about how they they <laughs> they talk about um, how they didn't find Rainer as well. Yeah, um, and uh, and that answers a question as well because I remember saying last episode that I was I suppose all eyes were on Trip and Sky. Mm. So you know it's very easy. It's the old uh, magician sleight of hand going on there. Yeah, uh, Sky blames herself as well um, in classic classic Whedon show recrimination uh, way. Um, we see that Coulson's getting a bit of a feeling, getting a bit vengey, getting a bit. I'm going to make somebody pay, and um, we see um, we, we see a shady group of Hydra villains meeting in uh, a very X Filesy kind of conspiratorial way. I love the fact that one of them is Fred Dreyer. Uh, you're too young to remember this, um, my young friend. Um, but there was a wonderful, aka his wife. <laughs> there was a, there was a, a wonderful cheesy uh, Stephen Cannell. TV show in the 80s called Hunter. It was like a sort of TV version of Dirty Harry, but with like sort of an 18 vibe. Mm. And um, the lead character of that is one of these guys and looks completely the same as he did in about 1984. And we see um, talk of uh, Bashki. And, and this is a great thing. You and I always talk about how previously ons kind of can show their hand a yeah. little bit. And we always talk about how Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has so many plates spinning on so many sticks. Rainer's a great one. You always forget about Rainer and they're like, oh, Rainer. But Bashki's <laughs> one of those as well in the way that, like, this episode started and we are like, whoa, God, we've got all this stuff happening. You yeah. Know? And then the previous, he starts with Bashki. You're like, oh, yeah, she, Brit Heel. Oh, he still alive. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's still going, isn't he? Alive. Um, alive. He's alive. He's alive. Um, <laughs> um, he, he's aliving with the best of them, isn't he? <laughs> um, so the impression that you get basically is that there's a um, a shit heel off going on for the Whitehall gig. Yeah, it's like whoever can shit heel out the other ones will um, will get the gig. Whoever the most the most alive one is, the shittiest of heels. Yes, yes, yes. A guy get pulled off in a cave <laughs> by a monster. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's no other way of putting Not it. Sucked off down a hole. <laughs> no, well, it's it's similar. Um, it's just more of on the first date you get pulled off in the cave and then in the second date you, you get, get stuck off down, down a hole. hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a kind of first base, second base kind of Listeners, you'll, you'll have to go and like absolutely raid the back catalogue of Chinstroke Deep Impact. Punter it's the Deep to, Impact uh, episode. Yeah, yeah, to understand to that particular. understand that. It's a niche one. that I, I, There's probably may, maybe a push one listener who's it's actually... It's not Deep um, Impact. Isn't it? Deep Rising, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Deep, Deep Impact, Impact is, is that terrible... Leone. Yeah, yeah. It's not terrible. That's a great film. Well, you know. Um, in fact, I'm going I'm to push that as a projector watch in the coming weeks. <laughs> I just want to mention that I really like the character of Bobby in this season because the thing I've noticed is until she came into this... There were no light-hearted female characters. Yeah. All of the female characters, and this isn't a criticism of the show. I'm not being woke or no. say claiming, but they're all very earnest. 
experience. So, so it's nice yeah. to have a character and have that, a mission. In exactly, and, and, and Bobby has elements of that when yeah. needs to be. But it's nice to have a character who shows that other side of the female experience. You know, the kind of hey, let's just have a let's just have a couple of glasses of Chardonnay and talk about this kind of part mm-hmm. of the female experience. You know, so there's, there's a scene where you get to see a lot of characters interacting with Sky in this episode, and. Um, they all do it in a different way depending on their character and also depending on their story needs as well. Like, there's a little bit of, just to be slightly critical of the episode, the writing shows at certain points where obviously, there's, and we'll get to this in a minute, there's a bit of a kind of telekinesis carry kind of thing going on when Sky gets upset, her new power yeah. seems to manifest itself. Yeah. So the storyline needs to have people upsetting her. Mm. And there's a couple of points in the episode where I think people act slightly out of character in order yeah. to facilitate that story. So I think yeah. the writing shows at a couple of points there. So I just want to sort of mm. mention that a little bit. Here. I, can't, I I agree when it comes around Mac. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with Mac, and also you've got... that His character even kind of tries to explain that away by being like, well, yeah. I've still got a bit of that in my head. And also um, th- there's... Um, Fitz and Simmons are kind of douchier than they normally are at points because they need to have that. But I'll put a little bit of that down to artistic license because we're Fitz meant to be Simmons is. Uh, yeah, but we're, we're, I think it's more that we're meant to, meant to be viewing this through Sky's perception, through mm. her prism. But there are a couple of moments where I was like, yeah, the writing's showing a little bit there. So mm. just in you know the name of full sort of yeah. critical yeah. disclosure, I want to mention that. But mm. the scene with Bobby when she does it, I I just noticed and made a note of this that it was nice to see a female character in this show interacting with another female character about something that isn't dire. She tries to, to cheer Sky up. And yes, I've got my notes about how it's weird to hear people talk about quarantine as well. Because like, it used yeah, to be yeah. this that, that that was this kind of rarefied experience. I think there's a really nice scene between Mac and Fitz as well, where Mac... It's, it's nice to see Fitz return the favour because we've seen Mac bring Fitz back from the sort of yeah. the brink of the abyss. And Mac's like, well, you know, do you know what it's like to not be able to control yourself and do all of that? And Fitz is like, Being yeah. a prisoner in your own body. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. yeah. And it's that thing where, and we've all been there, where, you know, you suddenly realise that you're just being a douchebag. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. Like, oh, fuck. This is not a just a me experience. No, no. Other it's people like, have had this. Yeah, and it's great when you have that. Like, I'll never forget this one time when... Um, it was when I was at university and my friend Chris who I lived with who was a bit younger than me I remember getting it one day and I was just like in this shitty mood and he'd done something that had really just pissed me off and upset me and I got really grotty and, and he just sort of and I was being really just like Rrr. I remember him sort of turning around to me and he went you've really got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning haven't you Mike and I was like <gasps> I was about to like launch into one and I stopped and I was like yeah I have man I'm really fucking sorry <laughs> I like I'll just call you know when you just catch yourself yeah and you, it's almost like you come out of your body you look at you're like I am being a dick, and I'm like, I'm really fucking sorry. And I, and I like that in um, in films because you don't see that that often. I think that's kind of an amazing thing about you, though, is that you're able to be aware of that. Well, it would be amazing or, if I didn't do it in the first place. I think, no, but uh, like everyone does it, everyone does it. But um, but you are you're big enough to say. Uh, yes, so I was being a bit of a tool there. Yeah, well, it's when I realised why I'm doing it, and that's the thing about this scene is you're like, oh yeah, I'm saying that because of this. It's yeah. not really, it's not really about the ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> it's never about the ketchup. Um, and um, and then we, so we get a couple more scenes where there's arguments, and this is and this isn't a spoiler. It's presented as being telekinesis, and I say Carrie because you know Carrie, the yeah. um, Stephen King, Sissy Spacek movie. I mean, you know. I've never seen it, but I know the whole like. 
She gets angry and stuff. She gets period and yeah, yeah. Like she's covered in blood and it's pig's blood or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But but when she gets angry, it manifests itself. Everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, And um, we see um, Bashki having a quick Skype call with Talbot as well. And I say this every episode, but I'm 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 going to continue to say Adrian Pastar gets the tone of this show better than anyone, Mm. and um, he should be in more stuff. Yeah. Because he's great at, he doesn't go up to 11, but he goes up to like 10.1. And that's a really difficult thing to be able to do, I would imagine. I really um, like him. He's good. He's ridiculous, but he's not, he's just just on the right side. And that's a great place he's to be. He's not a caricature. No, he doesn't go like full cage. Mm. But at the same time, <laughs> Bill Pullman. He's like Bill Pullman. Yeah. In, in that regard as well. Uh, sorry, Bill Paxton. You knew who I meant. Yeah, I do. Um, the bills, so many bills. Um, the dead one. Yeah, and then we get um, we we uh, we see poor guy. Um, we see the um, them in the car with Bashki, and they get unexpectedly you know t boned by another car. But the thing is, the fact that they're having quite an intimate chat with Bashki in the back, you kind of know that it's like they're not this dumb. No. They're not this dumb and they're not this open with their feelings, no. ever. yeah, yeah. So um, you know that there's Because I'd like... forgotten that this was a setup until it becomes apparent. Mm. And I remember, I was watching this thinking, oh man, this is like a really poorly written scene. <laughs> but what I didn't realise was that I'm being dumb and they, um, and they were signposting that fact. Yeah. And I remember where un- unexpected uh, car T-bones... They were all the rage for about a two or three year period. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, if you see two people talking in a car and it seems mundane, there's another car about to fucking hit them. <laughs> if, the, if it was released between about 2009 and like 2017. They even did put... it in How I Met Your Mother. Oh, it's in all of them. It's the, it's the, the T-Bone Surprise. Yep. It's a classic um, T-Bone Surprise. I love manoeuvre. it. It's right um, up there with my leg of beef. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, we've got a lot of kind of, a lot of food analogies. Food and jazz. That's kind of where we meat. are tonight, isn't it? It's a lot of um, meat. We see May get, uh, get old John Woo with two guns. Um, and I, love, I liked her line about how um, it means I'm going to do that, you know, when she yeah. comes back. And, sort and of like, when you know that it's a setup, it's kind of like... Recreational banter. Yeah, yeah. It's not even functional like, banter, yeah. is it? Yeah. I'm doing my thing. Yeah. And May and Coulson uh, get shot as well. Um we see Fred uh, Dreyer, the aforementioned hunter from the Stephen Connell series, at the lighthouse. Is this the first reference to the lighthouse that we've had? Yeah. Because that's, that's a Marvel thing. That's a Marvel comics thing. Simmons talks about plague, about powers being a plague. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk about that Quite in spoilers. Quite worrying language. Yeah. It's almost like you, if you... And this, again, this is a comparison to like X-Men. about things being eradicated and... Yeah, it's like... It's like terminated and... Yeah, it's, it's, it's like people who weaponize things like curing homosexuality. I thought it was a good tie-in in the fact that it kind of makes you see how Hydra started because it has a tone of, oh, they're Jewish, mm. you know. If we could just improve people through selective breeding, maybe, you know, yeah. that's for next. Yeah, you know. and oh, it's all gone wrong, let's exterminate Well, people. it's the... Um, What's the phrase? The the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm. It's that kind of um, yeah. thinking, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the the um, it makes it one step easier. I mean, I remember as a teenager having an argument with my friend Steve as well, where he was talking about how um, we were driving along with some friends and we weren't doing anything anything so bad. Steve, uh, yeah. And we got pulled over by the police. He was driving, and they got us all to show us their IDs. Mm. And and I, I was getting show really pissed off. Them your IDs. Uh, um, yeah, sorry. Um, and. Um, <laughs> 
You can see why they asked. You didn't get a load of police coming along going, here's my (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hi, 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 Mike. Here's my driver's license. Here's my police ID. I'm going to be searching you this evening. (laughs) (laughs) Just pop your clothes on. I really am 27. (laughs) Yeah. It's all good. And, um, And I was getting a bit like, I was like, you can't just fucking search us. And, uh, and Steve was like, I might just shut up. And, um, and I got really pissed off. And, and he was like, and Steve was like, well, I don't think there's anything. He's like, well, we weren't doing anything wrong. So why would we mind being searched? And I'm like, yeah, but don't you see that that's just accepting that takes us just, which seems reasonable, just that one little step closer to um, having our houses searched mm. and having our emails read. And, and then once you've, have, you've accepted that, and, and, and I think that this feels a lot, you know, mm. kind of like that. The idea that, well, all of these people having these powers is dangerous. And again, this is where the X-Men thing comes in, this idea that of civil liberty. Mm. Um, and at, at what point, you know, to have freedom, you have to have risk. Mm. Um, to eliminate risk, you have to eliminate freedom. So where exactly does that line exist? And that's and it. That, that- that who you're talking about and what you're talking around involves people and feelings and actual real life consequence. Yeah, like it's not an abstraction. Not just, yeah, exactly. It's not an abstraction. It's like like a lot of the time when people talk and politics. Simmons is thinking of it as an abstraction, yes. in a way, because she's dealing with yeah. the grief. Because she'd be trip. horrified if she had the full understanding of what she's talking exactly. about. And yeah. I think that one of the things that shows like this in Star Trek and science fiction as allegory does really well. And X Men's a great example of that because I mean, in X Men, you could be just be talking about homosexuality. Mm. I mean, X Men. I mean, I know you know um, Brian Singer has you know had a lot of mm. you know allegations made against him and all that kind of stuff. But that first X Men film, it was a mainstream genre film made by a gay man. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not going to make any judgments about him as an individual, but you can clearly see that one of the appeals to the subject matter from him was this idea of um, difference as defect. Mm. Um, and how, and Star Trek's done loads of stuff about that. Like, you know, the episode where they're talking about how, um, where Geordie is, is talking to, who's a blind character in Star Trek, is talking to a scientist and the scientist is talking about how they've come up with this technology where they can spot birth defects before they occur mm. and get rid of them. Yeah. And he's like, "What? So are you saying I'm defective?" He's like, "I I see just differently to you." And should that be? And there's a complexity to that as well, mm. you know, because if you ask a parent, um, who um, you know, or a parent to be who's you know in utero, mm. um, your child, your um, your unborn child has this defect. We could fix that for you now. I think most parents would say, "Yeah, go for it." Yeah. But then if they didn't and that child grew up with that defect or whatever and they were told that, oh, your parent had the option to do that and they wanted to, they'd feel rejected. Mm. So as soon as you bring people into this political conversation, a political conversation sometimes can just feel like an exercise, like sport almost. Mm. And I think you're absolutely right that what the, the kind of moral of this is is you can't deal with these things as notions. Mm. You have to apply them to actual people before you can do that. And that's and, completely referenced in, in how Fitz deals with it. Yeah, he because he's the other way. Mm. He's like, well, he well has, I know you <laughs> and I care about you. that initial kind of fucking hell kind of reaction and terrible, terrible, yeah. terrible, 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 goes away. But then he reflects on it. And then obviously has a beat, comes back 
you're my friend, I love you, I care about if you. If I've reacted like that, everyone else is going to, it's so why don't we just fucking... It's well, worse, let's keep it to yeah, ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. figure out what we're going to do. Yeah. And um, I mean, he, I'd have to say, Ian DeCastica played a fucking blinder in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he well, he has amazing. Well, he has to do a lot of stuff in the background, doesn't his he? His character is really coming to his own at this point, yeah. I feel. Like, the best thing that could have happened to him was having... Um, a knock to the head, basically, and having issues because he needed that for his character to evolve. Well, him and Simmons are kind of the moral barometers of the show, yeah. and I think that these episodes that we, the the after the big episode, the kind of the emotional fallout, um, exploratory episodes, mm. are the ones where those characters are kind of deployed yeah. the best because. It's almost as though, okay, we've had all this crazy shit happen. All of these pieces have been moved around the chessboard. Um, what do Fitz and Simmons think about this? You know, because mm. they're the characters, they're kind of, because they're kind of the heart of the show. Mm. Again, it's like Buffy. It's kind of like all of the major stuff is usually um, Buffy and Angel and Spike. Mm. Um, but then really what's interesting is to see how Xander and Willow yeah. deal with it and that's really because that's kind of how the that's the audience as well they're the normal people the mere mortals yeah so it's a little bit like how you know in Shakespeare you've got Hamlet and you've got uh you know all of these grand characters um but uh, but then you've got the the kind of the silly characters the um mm. the um you know Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and those sort of characters who play it out at almost a working class level. Mm. And I think that that's what you see here. And the, that's a spoiler. I'm going to save that for later. Um, <laughs> but this idea of affliction versus gift yeah. is introduced in this episode. Mm. Um, we see Raina visit um, Cal, a friend of the show, Carl McLaughlin. Um, <laughs> and Hey, Carl. Hey, Carl. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lovely work. Yeah, Love yeah, you. yeah. Love your work. Love your wine, mate. Love your wine. Uh, never drink it. I uh, can't afford it. <laughs> if you want to send us a case of it, that's fine. Yeah, I wouldn't. No, that, there's your sponsorship deal. Carl McLachlan's wine being the sponsors <laughs> of this show. That would be the ultimate podcast like endorsement score. And that would it? be so like up our alley. Yeah, I mean, I mean, unless I don't know. George Lucas released a range of condoms or something. <laughs> I can't think of. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> no, never, ever. <laughs> It's just top, <laughs> off the top of the head. That's all. Uh, uh, I'm sure that I'm sure. I don't give... want to see your three PO. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about my odds two D two? Sorry, I made that sound like I've never seen you naked. <laughs> I know, I know. You have, and I'm Boba Fit. <laughs> so <you> t- <laughs> We have two children together. Oh, I, I know, know every piece of your body. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's one bit I've kept secret. Oh. Uh, yeah, you'll find out tonight. Is it your vestigial tail? <laughs> yeah, I'm saving it for the spoiler section. But <laughs> um, so, um, Bring it on. So, um, so during this scene where Raina visits Cal, um, she basically <laughs> talks about the fact that she's gone through this metamorphosis. She's this kind of freaky, porcupine-looking thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he um, and she's just pissed off that she's not gorgeous. Well, she's like, I've got the shit end of a stick here. She's like, because um, 
and Cal seems really interested in this as well. He's like, oh, she's like, so she, he's kind of proud of his daughter. He's mm. like, she emerged from the chrysalis, yeah. you know. And um, He couldn't give a fuck about what she looks like. But also he he's sort of infused because he thinks that she'll come to him because he he's kind of thinking a couple of steps ahead and he knows people, he understands people because he's, he's a cynic. Mm. And he understands that when she sees how S.H.I.E.L.D. treat people like her, she will have but no option than to go to him. Mm. She'll need him as a father. Yeah. Um, so he sees this as an opportunity to drive a wedge between her and her kind of surrogate father. Mm. Because and, he's, and what this episode's telling us is he's kind of right mm. in that regard. Yeah, for sure. Um, but what he hasn't figured on is people like Fitz... Yeah. Who will do the right thing, who the will see past their emotions and kind he, of, you know. She has a good support network. Yeah, there are actual, there are people there who will get shitty with her, but who will, you know, when the hangover passes, do ultimately do the right thing, mm. you know. Because he's underestimated the sort of strength of character. Humanity. Of the, yeah, yeah, he's exactly. underestimated humanity, yeah, yeah. basically. Because, I mean, yeah, exactly. Because, and again, he's a cynic, but ultimately... What he hasn't counted on is that Agents of Shield is ultimately quite an optimistic show in its yeah. outlook. So you know, yeah, for sure. Um, so, um, w- but Rainer is not happy. Um, I like the she fact she is not happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is not impressed. Like she came out the chrysalis and he's like, to my face. And she's like, well, that's just effing marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> she's fine, and I'm like, you know. Um, so um, I like the fact that I've got the spike cut from hell. Yep. We've got to say as well that Hunter is only slightly better at accents than me. <laughs> I think it's reasonable to uh, to point out. I thought his accent was pretty good, and that for me says that um, it, it was probably not that good because what? I can't do an American accent. So anyone who even slightly approximates one seems really well. Cool gee to whiz, me. Hannah! Right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm the only fellow around in these parts that can do an American accent. Honestly, it's a good thing I love you. Uh, but no, but the, thing, the thing that's funny, though, in shows, when, when somebody, like like Hunter, for example, doing the American accent, it's whatever you're used to, because whenever I hear um, James Masters or Alexis Denisov, who are two actors in Buffy, listen, mm. gentle listener, um, I'm sorry, I need to hold it like this when I say gentle listener, don't I? Um, <laughs> Um, who do who are who are American, but who do British accents, uh, British accents on the show? When I hear them doing their native, you know, not, not native American accent because that would be uh, horribly racist, <laughs> their domestic accents, they sound fake. Yeah, like they like when I hear um, Alexis Denisov on How I Met Your Mother, mm. um, it sounds like oh, look, he's doing an American accent. He's like no, that's like, his actual accent. Um, who's the guy who plays Wormtail in Lord of the Rings? Oh, uh, Brad Dourif. Yeah, who is like super casual Californian surfer dude yeah. in real life. But like me. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, he was in that uh, behind the scenes stuff for Lord yeah. of the Rings. And I just could not get on board. Yeah, and he was all like, you know, <laughs> you catch on pretty quick. <laughs> Oh my gosh. The problem is. Apologies the, to every when, American person who is listening. The only way I can do an American accent is by trying to do an impression of John Wayne. That's why <laughs> I go. <laughs> Either that or you go, ah, here now, see? You go, <laughs> yeah. Well, hush my mouth. <laughs> um, so, um, 
Hunter also mentions um, that um, after he's what Bobby calls doing his douchebag accents, that uh, Mac and her have a secret. And she says that basically they have a support group. Yeah. And he sort of laughs it off. Um, but we learn otherwise later in the episode. Um, I, I like the fact that, um, and this is such a comic book thing, that that shadow group of Hydra people we see, and Hunter actually says this, they're like the Baroness, the Banker and the Sheik. Mm. And it's like, they're like the village people of supervillains almost, you know I what I mean? I love the fact that it's they've like, had a, a um, uniquely um, carved table made just for their Hydra shenanigans. Well, you would. I mean, you'd assume they'd have a budget, wouldn't you? I mean, uh, I know, but like, you know, where do you get it done? I'd like I'd like a hydra table, please. Well, it's like the, Can you it, make an octopus on this table? Very super secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Super like, secret hang table. Hang on. That octopus has got a bit of a hydra-ish vibe. <laughs> it's like all that stuff in clerks about the contractors that made the Death Star and is it fair that they got killed along with all the stormtroopers as well? It's like the, the reality is it. Um, um it Fitz says um that um her heart rate, because Fitz is talking to Sky, was uh, inhuman. Is the yes. term that he uses. Um, that um, that's, a, yep. that's a that's a word he uses. Yeah. Um, she gets upset and uh, causes a bit of destruction. It goes all carry, as mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, we see um, Coulson returns um, the um, gadgety suitcase to um, trip. I assume tripped mother, mm. um, and. Um, we see all of the village people get taken out um, through all of the subterfuge, the shield-related subterfuge. They do the um, YMCA for the last time. <laughs> they do. Um, and we see um, Fitz cover for um, Sky, or for Daisy. I'm not even mm. sure what to call her at this point. Mm. Uh, I guess we're calling her Sky mm. still. Um, and he says to her, you're just different now and there's nothing wrong with you with that. And I mm. think that that's the core... That's the show saying where it stands on this issue mm. is um, its um, tolerance. Yeah. Ultimately, tolerance to- for all things. Yeah, and also just I, th- I think crazy. And this is where, and again, I've compared this show to Star Trek so many times, but of course it is. The people who make this show are Star Trek fans. They grew up on Star Trek, so of mm. course that's coloured their sort of uh, their outlook. But what I think the kind of morality of this show is, and this is where it. it crosses over with Star Trek is to approach difference with curiosity. Yeah. Um, not uh, not fear, you know? Um, and I think that if you want to look at um, Fitz as the conscience of the show, which I think it's reasonable at this point at least to do, mm. then um, that's what the show's telling you, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, that's the, the, the thesis of it. Um and um, we see uh, old uh, Billy No Eyes um, no saves Rainer. Yep. And we get a little bit of um, Mac and Bobby being shady. Um, Super duper shady. And you realise that the... Um, the uh, remote control the car. Remote, yeah, remote control Lola yeah. has a, a nefarious meaning to it. Yes, it's, it's like a surveillance device isn't yeah. it yeah so uh bring okay well um as we always do um we will do a little bit of a sum up 
Um, and then we will take a short break and go into spoilers. So, uh, in the spirit of that tradition, Hannah, um, what were your uh, any any parting thoughts on this episode? I think uh, two thumbs up for um, aftershocks. Um, solid episode. Good way to come back from a season break. Um, lots to build on. I'd give it eight out of ten. Excellent. Yeah, I agree. Uh, also, they're great at naming these episodes. I love the fact that they have a... Most of the episode titles have some kind of literal and metaphorical. Yeah. Um, you know, there are aftershocks and there are aftershocks <laughs> um, in this episode as well. What's, and, uh, what's your thoughts on it? My thoughts, and whilst I'm saying this, if you could bring up the details of the next episode so we can let people know what's going to be going on. Uh, I agree completely. These are my favourite episodes. Um, I feel that... Um, on first viewing, I would probably have rated this episode lower than the episode before. But on rewatch, I'd rate it higher because I think that this is what the show does. The show has great characters, uh, but it never forgets to be fun. And I think it's really easy to forget to shine a light on that. The mm. fact that this show is doing great character stuff. Um, but where what it does that other shows don't, particularly you know your um, contemporary prestige shows is um it's really fucking entertaining as well and i think that it, it i just want to kind of make sure that i don't forget to mention that mm. um but um so um i'm going to just do a quick round of um housekeeping hannah um before you tell us what the next episode is going to be okay. that we're going to cover yep. um just another quick reminder to go over to we syndicate.com and t- check out Adventures in VHS, Beyond the Neon, Shinstroker vs. Punter, Entertainment Landfilm, Film Bastards, his film, Her Movie, and The Iron Sequel, uh, as well as the bon- the bonus shows, and also um, check out our YouTube channel as well. We get- we're getting pretty much weekly stuff out on there now. Um, if you just go onto YouTube and just do a search for Pod Syndicate and subscribe, there's tons of stuff on there um, from um, Gundam videos to interviews, fandom creators where... Um, I've been interviewing um, other geeks who do stuff like this. Um, So go and have a look at all of that kind of stuff. Um, Also, if you want to see what Hannah is wearing now, (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, proceed with fucking care. Bubble. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then you can do that over at um, <laughs> <laughs> over at um, Rewatch Proj uh, um, uh, on Twitter and uh, and also email us at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com uh, and also I do want to re- remind you I always forget to do this um, a really if you don't do any of those things I've just mentioned um, then give us iTunes reviews uh, well Apple Podcast yeah, reviews that makes so much difference every time um, we get a rating, and we've only had like four in New Zealand at least. I don't know how many we've had in the other territories, mm. probably more. Um, but every time we get one of those, we get a huge spike in listenership because it pushes us up. People just stumble across us as opposed to seek us out. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, that, if you want to support the podcast in a really uh, low hassle and, dare I say, free way, um, then just Google... Um, the Rewatch Project, Apple Podcasts, hit the first link, go into that. And also just look down at your phone now and you'll see a link that will say um, 
iTunes reviews or Apple Podcast reviews, just hit that and just hit five stars. Ideally, I mean, follow your heart, but fucking hell. Um, if you've listened this far, <laughs> I assume unless you hate yourself, um, and then just. Um, but also, don't just um, don't just hit the five stars as well. Actually, write something as well. It'd be useful yeah. to actually sort of get that information as well. Um, but the more of those we get, the better. So I really want to. I really want to kind of like beat the drum and ring the bell on that one. Um, but anyway, before we go over to a quick break um, to shield the gentle ears, shield, see what I did there, um, of those who are spoiler averse, so those who have not seen all seven seasons of the show. Uh, Hannah, would you like to tell us what we are going to, which episode we're going to be talking about next time? So the next episode is episode 12. Uh, title is Who You Really Are. Uh, synopsis says, Coulson and team come to the aid of a confused lady Sif who has lost her memory after fighting with a mysterious warrior and whose true mission will send shockwaves through S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't remember this one. Meanwhile, Bobby and Matt continue to hide their true mission from everyone close to them. Wow. Um, Exciting. I, I don't remember I didn't even realise that Sif was in it again after that one episode she was in. That's, uh, yeah. And so, she was in Loki last week as well, so this indeed. is a whole uh, very topical. Um, it's directed by Roxanne Dawson. Nice. Star Trek Voyager. Mm. Indeed. And written by Drew Greenberg, so oh, very Buffy. much a Shield alumnus. Yeah, awesome. Um, cool. Okay, um, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. I think it'll be really good. And actually, um, like this is jumping ahead, but the one after that is written by Marissa Tankeron's brother. Kevin Tankeron. Oh yes, he's the guy with the musical background, uh, sorry, isn't he? Not written, directed by. So yeah, he's um, the guy with the musical background, isn't he? So that'll yeah. be a kinetic uh, episode. And written by Monica Awusu Breen. So nice. that's going to be an awesome one. We so like I her. Think I've talked to her on Twitter. We oh really? Yeah. Um, we, I think I think I think she's actually listened to the podcast. Hi, Monica. <laughs> um, oh, no, she she never came back. <laughs> She's like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I think uh, basically what I'm trying to say is I think we're in for a really good run. Yeah. Um, from what I can remember, I mean, it's seven years ago since I listened to any of these. Um, it's, it's worth pointing out what you've just said has just made me think. We've, I, I, I mean, you and I, we're fans of this show, so of course we're apologists, but. There hasn't been. I honestly don't think there's been an out-and-out dead episode since the no. whole run of the show. And do you know, it, it's funny you say that, because before we started, um, you and I had had discussions, and you'd talked about it on Chinstrap. Yeah, like, oh, we'll there's a few we'll have to plough through. Yeah, you had said, oh, I'm sure when we go back to season one, there'll be a few that we go, oh, God, mm. that was a dud. I, I really don't think, like, I think there were some that we enjoyed more than others, but I don't feel like there's been an out-and-out, out, well, that sucks. Yeah, and the term I always episode. use is median. Like, it's this idea that, um, and the two examples I always use of this on my other show are the MCU and Harry Potter, where um, you don't get any out-and-out out masterpieces necessarily, but you... So, You're doing this, though. Yeah, but you, you what I mean is, is that you get... A lot of seven out of ten to eight and a half out of ten. Yeah, and you know it's not gonna it's not gonna drop. Whereas there are shows I like a lot more than Agents of Shield mm. that have out and out turds mm. of episodes. 
And Twin Peaks, I'm looking at you. Well, I'd, I'd defend every episode of that show. But um, I'm, we'll start, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Star Trek, Babylon 5, these shows. And I think Don't a lot. Don't you dare say that about my precious Babylon 5. No, Babylon 5 has some out and out turds. No, it doesn't. Uh, but, that, but that was because it was a low budget show. And there were some weeks where the, it almost felt like the show was just going, oh, fucking hell, guys. Look, can, I, can we have this week off? No, okay, honestly, we've just got to... Honestly, I'm such a uber geek for that show. Every episode was like, yes, I'm fully on board, love it. Okay, well, we'll see. We'll cover that show one day and we'll see whether that stands <laughs> up. Um, but but I just wanted to mention the consistency of the yeah. show at this point, that this is something oh, that I'm starting to realise. I am fully on you board were like, with you, that, yeah. the, the thing that triggered that thought was that you were saying, oh, we're up for a good run of episodes. And I'm just like, this whole fucking show is a good run of episodes, you know? Yeah, like, and... I completely agree with you. I think that it's just, it's about to really ramp up a notch. But you know why that is? Not, not like why it's its kind of just a good run all the way through is, um, it's the casting and the characters. Yeah. And that's why shows like um, Star Trek The Next Generation is a great example of this, where even when you get slightly turdy episodes, they're still enjoyable because... Mm. Jonathan Frakes is playing Riker. Yeah. So, of course, it's wonderful. You know, and, and S.H.I.E.L.D. is very similar in that regard, you know. Um, I'm just going to make mention to Sarah Finn, Hannah Cooper, Krista Hussar, and Tamara Hunter. Who are they? They are the casting directors for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, yeah, they did well. Seraphin being the main one, she did a hundred episodes, and you get you get a lot of interesting people as well because it's easy to forget because this is part of the MCU. This is part of like you know Kevin Feige's mm. Agents. So so you know if it wasn't for Agents of Shield, I mean Carl McLaughlin's been in the MCU. Mm. You know Powers yep. Booth, Bill Paxton. You know these people who it's easy to forget. Well, okay, so Seraphin. Um, the main casting director for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., was also casting director for Loki, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, oh, okay. WandaVision, um, uh, Black Widow, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, The Mandalorian, oh, Agents wow, okay. of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, Spider-Man Far From Home, Avengers Endgame, Captain it, Marvel, like, right yeah, across, yeah. like, I, I could go on. I mean, wow. basically all of them, Ant-Man and the Wasp, yeah. Infinity War, Black Panther, Busy, Ragnarok, busy woman. She is, like, fully in mm. the Marvel zone. Well, I'll tell you what, she's the person you want to sidle up to at a party if you're a fucking Fuck actor. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, okay, so should we um, get into the spoiler section? Yeah. I'm clearance level six. I know that Agent Coulson was killed in action before the battle in New York. Got the full report. Welcome to level seven. Sorry, that corner was really dark and I couldn't help myself. I think there's a bulb out. And we are back. So, Hannah, do you have any burning spoiler talk <clears throat> that you want to share? Um, just that um, Fitz talking about Daisy's uh, blood results and referring to the results as inhuman, her, her heartbeat yeah. rate. Um, it was a bit like saying, I think they might be going on a Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Um, astronauts on some sort of Star Trek? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the first mention of inhuman and... Um, 
I like the fact that instead of um, talking, like they talk about um, transgenesis for the first time as well. Like there's terogenesis. There's, sorry, terogenesis. There's there's actual names coming through for you know being covered in the the grey muck. Yeah, that that, that sort of like know, transition. Yeah. Um, so. Um, what it says to me is, um, like, it gives you confidence that <clears throat> there's a past there, there's there's history there, so you know this has happened to other people. Yeah. Pardon me, there's a reason for it, so um, there's more story to come. Yeah. Which is exciting. Yeah, and, and I mean, my, my spoiler points were similar, were around that, but also just the fact that what you're seeing here is them setting up this... Uh, and this is where, I mean, I mentioned before in the spoiler section in the, the previous week that um, the Inhumans were the um, the MCU's way of getting around the fact that back then in 2015, mm. they didn't have the rights to the X-Men. They'd mm. sold them to yeah. um, Fox, but obviously now they've reacquired Fox. Um, so at the time, they were like, well, the Inhumans are kind of essentially like the mutants. The only difference, I mean, the mutants in the X-Men, the idea was that it was this naturally thing that happened. It was part of human evolution. You're that, just born that way. The, the, yeah, yeah. The, the next phase of the evolution. Lady is, Gaga. Yeah. It's, uh, um, I'm on the right track, baby. <laughs> and the, 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 these things have just started happening. Yeah. Whereas like the, the catalyst of the Inhumans was different, but the thing was the same. It was mm. weird shit happening to normal people. And society didn't know how to deal with it, mm. and um, it became politicised. Yeah. And the Inhumans were the were Marvel Studios way because Marvel still owned the rights to the X Men, all those kind of things, just not in movies. They mm. still released the comic books and the animated movies and the toys. Mm. They just couldn't put things in the cinema uh, for them. Uh, and so, what what you see when? the humans are starting to be introduced into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and what would have been the MCU until they got the X-Men rights back and they went, oh, we don't need the humans anymore, was a lot of those similar thematic explorations going mm. on. This idea of um, what is a defect, what is uh, a special... It's like when you hear people talk about... Um, people with uh, physical and mental disabilities, mm. you know, and again, the word disability can be a controversial word, mm. um, saying some people will use the word special. Mm. And that's become a, almost like a, a, a word of mockery now. Mm. Like, oh, you're special, like in school mm. playground, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And that's a lot of the stuff that you're seeing. And I think that one of the things that I was trying not to get into too much in the non-spoiler section was that we're starting to see those political conversations bubbling mm. up in the show yeah. a little bit, you know? Um, just uh, adding on to that point, one thing I was thinking about is uh, I wonder if Marvel's um, repatriation of the X-Men mm. coincided with the storyline where... Um, where Yo-Yo comes into it and she's an inhuman yeah. because she's got the powers and stuff but she's she hasn't been through pterogenesis in, in the way Daisy has yeah. like 
don't they put something in the water or there's some like there's a fish oil capsule that yeah, some people yeah. have been having um and it's kind of like it it becomes less special it becomes less like oh you're the chosen one it's more like it um, becomes commercialized yeah yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the other thing is what I is, just I, I don't know in in the background like where they were at in terms of characters and um you know licensing yeah. for various things but, but, but the other thing as well and, and this is obviously very much a spoiler thing is that one of the things that I'm I'm because obviously be, being the rewatch project where we were watching this with you know part of our mind having the knowledge of what's coming and it's funny because you what you get to see is you get to see the um, the paving slabs being laid. Mm. And what I noticed on this episode was that, uh, you know, we're getting to this point where um, Skye's, well, Daisy's allegiances are going to be tested yeah. between her, her people, you know, the other Inhumans, and her family. Mm. And you start to see... Um, that questioning, that paranoia, that mistrust is starting to be sowed mm. in this episode by the fact that you've got um, Simmons kind of shit-talking people who are a bit different and mm. sort of um, demonising them. them and, and, yeah, kind of like... Yeah, they plague. Yeah, freakifying yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and that's where what I mean about the writing showing a little bit. Mm. It's like that's done yeah. quite crudely. And but that's, at the same time... And, it's, and it, that's not her? No, it's not. Mm. But, but I get why they did that because... It's kind of it's they've only got like ten episodes to do a huge amount of storyline, so I think yeah. they've shorthanded a little bit. But, it, but like I say, the writing shows a little bit there. Mm. And th- so when I was seeing that, I was kind of like, oh, okay, right, yeah, that's a little rough, but I can see why they're doing that because we need to start sowing the character motivation for Sky. Mm. So when she does start to turn against Shield, we as the audience don't hate her for it because we empathise so they're kind of building that into it at this point so it's funny as a rewatch seeing the kind of the mechanics of that Mm. of the writing kind of happening there and you're like oh okay yeah I can almost see the writers room meeting when they were kind of like doing that so uh but uh, okay, so um, anything else, Hannah, before we no, finish up? No, that's me done. Boom, done. Okay, so remind us what episode we're talking about uh, next time, and then we can uh, send these kind, gentle folk about their way. Episode 12, I Epi- believe. It is episode 12 of season two, entitled Who You Really Are, aired on the 10th of March, 2015. Awesome. I look forward to finding out what the double meaning Bring of that Bring on Lady is. Sif. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, that's us for this week, guys. We will see you soon. Bye-bye. Take care. Syndicate Valley. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.